Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Saka Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, welcome. It's the first Saka Cricket Show of 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. It is great to be back. My name's Travis Wakeling, and I have with me someone fresh off a week in the Queensland sun, back home with a fam. I'm joined again by the Strikers and Scorpions star player, Gemma Barsby. Welcome back, Gem. Hey, Trav. How are you going? Good, thank you. I told you we'd have you back. Yep. Did Thankfully, you... I passed the first test, so <laughs> we're back again. Love that. Did you have a nice crazy break? Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, like you said, I was back in Queensland. It was very, very humid and a lot of rain, but um, it was lovely to spend some time with family and friends. And you're back into training this morning as well? Yep, yep. Straight back into training. We... um. Trained uh, a couple of days prior to New Year's Eve as well. So, um, yeah, we've got a few games coming up. So, yeah, had to get straight back into it. Yes, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. But we do have a big show coming up today. So you and I have a little bit of a top five comparison going on today. So we'll talk the viewers through that in more depth. But we're going to talk about the top five South Australian performances uh, across 2023, the calendar year. So that'll be exciting. We've got Cam Boyce from the Strikers joining us for an interview. He had an outstanding performance on Sunday night for New Year's Eve, one for 15 or four overs. So we'll talk to him about his form. Then we're going to have our Redback and West Torrens opening batter, Kelvin Smith, to talk about his incredible cricketing journey. He's got a really interesting story, so can't wait to hear from Kelvin. And then our night watchman is a man who holds baggy green cap number 416 and a first-class batting average of 3.63. So we're going to have a chat to him a little bit later. We'll see if our listeners can work out who that is before we reveal we reveal all later in the show. But um, we've obviously had a couple of test matches on in the last week or so. Uh, we've had the, the the men's team obviously playing in the Boxing Day test and our women's team playing in their series over in India. Um, but I just wanted to quickly jump into the performance of Alex Carey in the test match. Uh, he has a knack for coming up and performing when he needs to, and especially when the team is in trouble. So he had an outstanding performance in India in the game that we won um, where he where he scored a vital 50 in that game. And then, again, Lord's first test. Uh, sorry, not Lord's. The the first test in Edgebaston. He, he had a great game as well of the Ashes when we really, really needed him to perform. And then, again, on the weekend, he does it one more time. Um, just to shore up his spot, I think um, that 50 against Pakistan, whilst it might not sound like a huge score, 
Um, if you look at this, the situation of that game and how he's come in and scored those runs when he's under a lot of pressure, A, for his spot. Uh, there's a lot of, been a lot of talk in the media about his spot, but to have him come in and score the runs and also wicket keep first class. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Alex Carey's wicket keeping and uh, performance in the test team, Jim? Yeah, like you said, he's obviously come out and when when the time counts, he's um, been able to step, step up and put that performance together. And like you said, I think that innings um, against Pakistan where he came out and made that 50-odd, you look at it, probably even though people have said that Marsh, when he got dropped on, not many, that probably changed the game. I reckon, yeah, Kerry's 50-odd um, there really helped that as well because if he, if he got out cheaply there, then there's those uh, less runs there as well. So I think, yeah. I think Kerry's been able to do it time after time, and I think that's credit to him, especially when he's been under pressure, where the media's right on his back. He's been able to step up and, um, yeah, cement his spot, and it's and it's really nice to see that um, they're they're finally probably backed away a little bit. But I think I think it's also healthy competition for him as well, where he knows that if if he doesn't perform with bat and gloves, that um, that just Josh Inglis is right there with him. But um, yeah, I think it's healthy competition, but um, I definitely think he's above Josh Inglis at the moment. And it's great to see our South Aussies do well, and that's why we like to highlight these things. But we've also had another outstanding South Australian performance over in India. How about Talia? Yeah, she's been killing it. She obviously uh, scored back-to-back 50s in the Test match where um, a lot of the batters for India and Australia, mainly Australia, really struggled in those conditions. It's something that the Aussies aren't really familiar with, and she was able to come out and score those back-to-back 50s and then come out and make 68 not out in the first ODI as well. So she's... Yeah, had a really good series though thus far, and they've got one more ODI before they go into the T20. So hopefully, can, she can um, continue that form into those games as well. Love that. It's um, and it's great to see our women's team playing Test cricket in India. It's yes. uh, it was so cool. I don't know how much of the game that you caught, but it was so cool to watch. Um, some outstanding performances, and it's. It's great to see the the similar trends with the the men's game as well. You know, our spinner Ash Gardner taking a silly amount of wickets, um, and and those conditions being incredibly difficult to bat in as well. So great to see. Um, but we, we've we've really taken a spotlight here today on our South Australian individual performances of the year. It's you know it's the it's a new year. We we like to reflect. So obviously we've taken a bit of a spotlight on our South Australian key performances of the 2023 calendar year. Uh, we've got a top five performances each, don't we, Jim? So I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- send it over to you to to kick it off, and uh, and then I'll I'll follow and see how close see how close we get. Yeah, the pressure's on. So I kind of went uh, to start with my number five. I've kind of gone a team performance, but there's the individual performances in there as well. So. My number five to kick it off is the Shield games the Redbacks played at the Gabba against Queensland. That was an unbelievable game. They ended up winning by three runs, and it was um, pretty exciting. But the performances that led into that was um, Henry Hunt making 162 in the first innings with McSweeney or, or Nathan McSweeney making 112 not out, and the bowlers, so McAndrew, uh, Nathan McAndrew getting a 6 far in that game, and Jordan Buckingham, if anyone remembered, taking that final wicket and doing that absolute sprint down to um, down to the boundary to tell the he almost ran back to Adelaide. Yeah, there was stats on that too of what the high speed uh, numbers he got from running from bowling down to fire. I think um, Harry Conway was down there and he gave a little um, little silence to the crowd. So he obviously getting heckled the the over before. So that was my number five. Uh, my number four is Spencer Johnson. Obviously, he's had. A pretty remarkable last 
uh, last year. So he obviously debuted for Australia in the T20 and ODIs. And then obviously very recently uh, got picked up in the IPL for $1.78 million, So must be nice. He's loving life now. He's sorted. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially from like, yeah, where he's come from with all the previous injuries he's had and not really having a contract as well. So it's pretty remarkable uh, last 12 months for him. And then I've had a combined uh, number three for me. So I've got Bridget Patterson becoming the second highest run scorer for SA in WNCL history, which is pretty incredible. Um, and also Amanda Wellington, who's taken the most wickets for uh, South Australian WNCL history. So that's pretty something pretty incredible by those two to be able to do that. Um, my number two, of course, is Jake Fraser-McGurk, his fastest one-day century of the off 29 balls at, that was insane. Yeah, at Karen Rolton Oval. That was unbelievable to watch that. I think we obviously know what, what class of player he is to, and just to continue to go out there and do it in 29 balls, wherever the bowler was put in, it was gone for six and landed up on that Karen Rolton Hill. So, yeah. um, and great to hear during the week, we were chatting before we came on air about the fact that he's come out during the week saying he wants to play test cricket for Australia. Great to hear that from a young player and especially someone who plays in the way that he does. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it just shows that um, test cricket for Australians are something they hold pretty rem- um, high class and remarkable as well. So, yeah, hopefully he's so, oh, close to that, but I think probably more in the shorter format at yeah. this stage. Um, and then, of course, my number one, how can you go past Travis Head? Obviously, his uh, World Cup performance, I'm saying both on and off the field. Yeah. Um, I think he was almost better off the field, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think I was, I was going to put his off, off-field antics, but um, I thought I'd go more cricket related to start with, but his um, century in the final, making 137 and getting player of the final and the semi, I think that's um yeah something pretty remarkable, especially when he was coming off his broke like off a broken hand and missing a couple of the um the first games to then have that faith to come in and just go from that first game that he played um well yeah it was pretty pretty remarkable and yeah that picture of him celebrating <laughs> definitely uh, got spread around the social media so uh, yeah Travis Head is my number one love love it that's a great that's a great top five going to be uh, I think we've got a couple of a couple of similar ones in there but um, I'll start with mine so I want to start with a special mention because you actually had a pretty incredible performance yourself so game one of the WNCL season you can you can be excused for blowing off the cobwebs, uh, having a having a bit of a rough start, but no way. Jay Barsby, five for twenty off ten overs against the ACT. Now, what do you remember of that game? Because that was I was sitting in the office watching, and we were all going absolutely berserk. So, how what was your memories of that game? Yeah, I was um, yeah my first fiver in WNCL too, so. Um, something pretty special, and that was my first game captaining the Scorps as well. So um, I was just probably more focused on trying to put a performance out there, being the captain for the first time and trying to lead from the front. So, yeah, I'm just glad it kind of paid off. And I remember I've been close before. I got a four for, and I dropped my five for, as a court and bold. So <laughs> I had a court and bold in that um, in that game as well, so I'm glad it stuck this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that was a great performance. So that was a, a definite number six. But uh, I also left out Jake Fraser-McGurk, and uh, the only reason was because it was a losing side as well. So uh, these next five Tough. performances, I, I'm pretty confident that the, the listeners will, will agree with. Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. So number five, I've got Amanda Jade Wellington against WA. She had three for and also scored an incredibly important knock of 73 off 58 when she came in at six for 132 and we were really struggling. 
managed to get us up to 263 as a total, um, coming in at number eight. Uh, very, very important runs. And to top that off with, with three wickets as well, uh, an incredible individual performance. Uh, number four, I've got Daniel Drew, 208 versus Western Australia. So I do like performances against Western Australia. They're a, they're a good perform, they're a well-performed state, but, um, a huge upset win by the Redbacks earlier, uh, earlier in the calendar year. So last season, um, Daniel Drew's 208 in the first inning set the tone. We ended up making 450 plus, um, and putting WA out of the game, um, which is, you know, they ended up going on to win the, win the shield. So an incredible performance from Drewy there. Um, number three, we have Spencer Johnson. Now, you mentioned his incredible season um, debuting for Australia in multiple formats and taking the, the BBL world by storm. He also played in the 100, and he had one game where he took three for one. Not bad. That's a pretty good day at the office. Um, when, you've, when you've got a wicket tally higher than the runs scored – I think you've. Um, I think you're entitled to make to make the the top five list. So um, Spencer Johnson, well done, uh, three for one in the hundred. Well, you can take out number three, uh, number two. Now, number two did not win player of the match Oof. in this game, but it was another incredible performance that that beat her to it. But I think I've included captaincy in this right, in yep. this criteria. And I've gone with Talia McGrath for her WBBL final performance yes. uh, for the Strikers. So, started with the batting. Yep. 38 off 34. It was a low-scoring game, so we made 125, as we spoke about on the last show. Um, that proved absolutely crucial uh, in us putting a um, defendable score on the board. And then came in with the ball. Doesn't bowl as much as she used to, Talia, but... Um, when she does, she comes in, she makes an impact and two wickets in two balls at a crucial time, um, in the game to really turn it in favor of the strikers and outstanding captaincy, her bowling changes, the fact that she kept Amanda Jade Wellington for the last over, uh, to, to bowl that, it's a really brave call to bowl a spinner in the last over. Um, but I just think incredible captaincy, um, and a great great game. So I've given that number two. Yeah, not bad. She loves to step up when the moment counts. And you can see in that celebration when she took her Laura Harris's, she actually went off and gave gave the crowd a bit of something to, to get up and about <laughs> with. Which, oh, yes, she did. <laughs> yeah, she only does that when the when she knows that it's an important, important time in the game. So yeah. No, outstanding performance. And then number one, we are absolutely aligned. Travis Head, ODI World Cup final. Um, incredible um uh, he, that he started um, with his like his hand was, you know, in all sorts of trouble um, going into that first that first game. Didn't start the series. Came in, um, made his first score for the series as a hundred, um, and then to back it up at the end of the series with two player of the matches in a row, semi final, inter final. Absolutely peaked in the final with his hundred and thirty seven. Uh, incredible performance um, and and off field to to follow suit as well. <laughs> Not to mention as well, he also got the player of the match in the World Test Championship final. So pretty incredible year from from Trav, and probably could have taken out three of those five spots really. But um, I've focused on his ODI World Cup final um, with special mentions to his other two as well. So <laughs> um, well done to our top fives. If you've got any thoughts about our top five, please let us know via the socials. We would love to we would love to hear about it. If we've missed any. Hopefully we haven't. We've kept a pretty close lens on it all, but 
Um, that's been good fun. So thanks for thanks for doing that with me, Jem. We'll uh, we'll head to a break now. Um, after the break, we're going to chat with someone who nearly got the strikers over the line on New Year's Eve with some very economical bowling. It's going to be Cameron Boyce from the Strikers. You're listening to the Saka Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the Strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, welcome back. It's the Sacco Cricket Show with Travis Wakeley and Gemma Barsby. We're here at number one King William Street at Studio Lumo, a beautiful place to do radio. Come along and give us a wave if you're walking past. We have a very special guest coming up with us on the show. It's Cam Boyce from the Strikers put up a great performance on Sunday night for New Year's Eve. Cam, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. And uh, obviously a disappointing result on Sunday night, but... Um, Mate, you played pretty well. Talk us through the night and um, and how you how the boys are feeling heading into the the rest of the season. Yeah, mate. Look, it was um, obviously a tough night for us. We had high expectations going into the game, and um, you know it would have been really good to, uh, I guess, you know, pay back some of the fans that obviously came out as a full house. So um, disappointing way to to lose, um, but. I think any time there's over 400 runs scored in a game, you sort of tip your hat either way. So, um, you know, the boys, are, the boys are feeling pretty good. We're in Perth at the moment. So, um, beauty of it is, is we've got a couple of really hard games coming up, Perth twice and then Hobart twice, uh, home and away. So, we are, yeah, we just got to get back on the horse and, and try and get a few wins under our belt. I think we sort of got a squad here that um, once we do get one or two wins and get some momentum, we'll be away. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, like you said, obviously over 400 runs were scored on that night and, you were the only bowler to not conceive a boundary. What did you put that down to, especially on a really nice batting track at Adelaide Oval? Oh, Jim, look, <laughs> I I honestly didn't think about it too much before the game. I just had, like, um, really, really clear plans going into it. I think, um, you know, a few nights before that, we played in Marvel, um, uh, at Marvel, sorry, against the Renegades, and I bowled the same way I did in this game and probably in 80 of the games that I've played so far. So um, one thing that did change a little bit was um, my family arrived a day before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I spent the day with the kids and I actually just didn't really think about cricket too much. It's just sort of um, doing the everyday dad stuff. And, you know, before I knew it, I was at the ground and it almost just felt like another game of cricket playing, um, you know, back home playing grade cricket, that sort of thing. So it was sort of, I just I just went in with a really clear plan and I wasn't really thinking about the game before. And, um, yeah, just stuck to my strengths. That's that's great to you know to be able to get that insight on how just having a sort of relaxing day just with the family doing normal stuff and then you can come out and perform in front of forty odd thousand people. It's an incredible mindset that you've taken in. So mate, well done and and um, really well performed. I'm I'm just thinking it's the, your second season back at the Strikers now. Um, you obviously started with us many many moons ago. Um, you've played for a few different clubs a, across your time. In your last game for the Renegades, you took a double hat trick, and then you've and then you've ended up with us the the next season. How are you enjoying your second coming at the Strikers? Oh, mate, I've loved it. Thanks for reminding me that, of that as well. Yeah, five <laughs> and double hat trick, and then they then they sacked me. So um, <laughs> no, that's um, that's all good. But yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it. I loved um, when I was here ten years ago, actually, and um, I've always loved coming to Adelaide and and playing um, state cricket and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, look, it's um, you know we're pretty lucky to do you know, what we're able to do and um, travel the country and, and be based in a, such an amazing city like Adelaide and obviously playing at Adelaide Oval. It's it's the best ground in the world, um, you know, as we see from the New Year's Eve big games as well. I think that, um, you know, I was, I was pretty fortunate. I played, I think it was two 
um, New Year's Eve games leading up um, to me actually playing for Adelaide um, when I played for Hobart Hurricanes. So um, they're such a special you know, game to be a part of. And that's what I said. I think that's the most disappointing thing about the other night is that we, we just feel like, yeah, we really could have repaid the fans a little bit by um, obviously winning that game. And we knew how huge it was in the context of our season as well. We're just getting some momentum. But, um, you know, personally, I'm, I'm loving it. As I said before, like, I've got the family over now. So, um, you know, things are a little bit different with my prep. I say that, you know, it was a, a nice relaxing day the other night with the kids. Um, but I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old girl, so it was far from relaxing. But <laughs> um, it just sort of puts things in, into perspective, I think, which is good for me. And do you find any, I guess... Extra responsibility now. Obviously, we lost Rashid Khan before the uh, the comp even started. So, have you found that your role or the expectation has changed for yourself coming into this season? Um, oh, maybe a little bit before I sort of come away. Like, obviously, when I found out Rash was um, not going to be here, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer for everyone, isn't it? We know, um, you know, what Rash can do and how good he is. Um, but I guess personally, like, I don't think about... Um, you know, that I have to fill any voids that he sort of um, previously does. Like I, you know, I'm a completely different bowler to Rash, different speeds, different um, trajectories. And, you know, we, I guess we think about the game a little bit different as well. But one thing I've always sort of said is like, you know, I'm really proud of my record and my numbers that I've put up over my 90 odd games. So I think it's really easy to compare, um, you know, players and, and you do the same with batters and, and fast bowlers as well. You sort of look at someone else's numbers and think, how can I be better and all that sort of thing. But, you know, Rash is, um, Rash is a freak of a player and, you know, he doesn't just do it in the BBL, he does it all all around the world. So I don't really think about it too much. Obviously, it's, um, you know, it would be nice to to have him, but I would actually hope that if he was here, we would, we would play together as well. So um, I think that was one thing I was really looking forward to when I first re-signed with Adelaide was to actually come back and, um, and play with him and just sort of see how we work together. But unfortunately, through... You know, injury last year for me and then him being away this year hasn't sort of sort of happened but um yeah look it's not really something that I I think about too much obviously it's in the back of your mind sometimes you think about you know the what ifs but I just try and do what I do like I said I'm really proud of my record and um you know once I finish hopefully um I'll have some good numbers up there that you know I can be proud of and that my family can be proud of and um I think it's probably just at that point now where it'd just be really nice to to win another title so um as I said earlier, just I think we're at that point now where we, we probably, yeah, the fans deserve us, uh, you know, to put up some better performances. So that's, so that's what we'll be trying to do in the next few games. Cam, you you mentioned about you, you're very proud of your record. Well, I I pumped you up with my last little bit about your double hat-trick. You also had uh, a pretty incredible debut for Australia in T20 cricket. Two for ten or four overs, just a, just a pretty easy start in this uh, international cricket game, isn't it? Yeah, the um the wicket was like really flat and wasn't turning and um yeah, in really hard conditions. So I'm I, I think I did really well that game. But no, nah, that, that's a big. I, I went to um yeah went to Dubai for a one-off game and the wicket was absolutely ragging and um the conditions were pretty well suited for spinners. So in terms of um what you would sort of want for an international debut, you probably yeah as a spinner you got what you want. But it's funny sometimes um sometimes conditions like that can actually work against you as well. Like the ball was spinning so far. It's been like that a couple of times at um, Marvel over the last few years, to be fair. Like, the ball, yeah, when it spins, you know, really far, the batters have different plans. They sort of um, play you a little bit differently. So, um, yeah, it can be a challenge in itself. But, yeah, as I said before, mate, like, to be able to, to play some games for Australia is something that I'll look back at now. And um, particularly given now I, I've got kids of my own. So, um, you know, it's just sort of almost sort of about, you know, making them proud and, 
at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm a pretty realistic person. Like, I'm a dad for nine months of the year, and then you know I come and play cricket for three. So, um, you know, I enjoy turning up and and getting blokes out that are training all year and putting all that work in still. So I just want to be able to finish the game and. Um, you know, just be proud of what I've done and, and just enjoy it at the end of the day. It is a game. I know it's really hard when you, you know, there's so much um, at stake and you're playing for so, so um, you know, bigger things as titles and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, sometimes you've got to take a step back and remember it's just a game and you've got to have fun as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's, um, that's yeah, you've got, a, you've got an incredible mindset, mate. That's a really good listen, actually. So um, you, turning, turning our attention to Wednesday night, um, at the furnace, as they call it, over in the west, um, you're playing against the Scorchers. They're a formidable, formidable opponent. Um, you know, who? How are we going to win that game? Who, who's the key players we need to stop? Um, and sort of how how are we going to get the job done over in Perth in a, in a game that we we really need to win? Well, I actually come on the show hoping that you guys are going to give me some answers <laughs> to that. So well, Gemma might be able to help more than me, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, look. Um, I think just um, just personally, I've had a little bit of success coming over to, to Perth. Um, you know, the first few years uh, that they started playing at Optus where they were sort of figuring out how they wanted to play, um, you know, I managed to get a few wins there. So, um, you know, personally, I'm not sort of daunting the idea of going over to Optus and playing there. It's just more, obviously, like you said, they have a, an unbelievable record there and they have a really good team. But I think the beauty of the situation we're in now with, with um, you know, being a 10-game tournament, um, and us being one and four now is like, yeah, we we know what we need to do and we're coming up against some good opposition. So, you know, we just have to have real clear plans. It's probably a, a really good thing um, just knowing that we're coming up against really good teams and we just have to go out and express ourselves. So I think, uh, you know, team-wise, we're probably just trying to get in a mindset now of just playing with some freedom and, and you know, not get too caught up in, um, you know, sticking to certain structures and, and just, um, I guess, playing the way that we know how to play and, I had a coffee this morning with David Payne and we were just talking about the same thing. And we said, you know, like, it's hard sometimes. You feel like you have to go in and play to certain structures and, um, you know, you always have a, a mindset of team first sort of mentality. But sometimes the best thing to do as an individual is just to be selfish, worry about yourself, do your own, or, or sort of figure out your own plans and just nail them. And nine times out of ten, if you do that, it helps the team. So, um, yeah, I think if we have that sort of mindset, we'll go right against these guys. I mean, we've got a We've got an awesome batting lineup as well, so there's no doubt that we can put up some good numbers um, batting-wise against their their really good bowling attack as well. But um, as we've seen in the last few games, we just need to, you know, maybe tinker with a few things with our bowling, and we'll be fine. So, yeah, we'll be fine. So we've come this far in this interview, and I've I've been holding on to this question for uh, quite a while now. So obviously, um, we played in the WBBL final, and I look across to the Brisbane Heat, and I see yourself in Brisbane Heat colours. Uh, can you please tell the listeners what you're doing on wearing Brisbane Heat colours, please? Yeah, sorry, when was that, Gem? I don't actually remember that. that? <laughs> yeah, because you're on the ago, losing ago, side. So, yeah. So, did you think yeah, yeah. Did you think it was camouflage because the uniform's a similar <laughs> yeah, colour? Yeah, I didn't know where I was. I was just in this weird state of mind. So. Um, no, nah, look, I, um, yeah, look, I was lucky enough to um, get asked by, uh, by Ashnofsky, um a few months ago now to to join the WNCL squad, um, you know, back up in Queensland and help a few of the spinners out there. And it just sort of, um, it progressed into, you know, starting off with helping the spinners and just to more of a, um, I guess, all-round role. So um, I think they had in the back of their mind that once 
the WBBL rolled around, I'd sort of be in and around and just sort of help out the girls as well. Um, and honestly, like it's been something that I've really enjoyed. So, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't travel up until the final. I did all all the home games and just helped helped out the spinners and um, I guess just offered a different you know voice around the squad and. I guess the girls probably gravitated towards me a little bit, just given the fact that I was still playing. And, and one thing I said to them at the start of the tournament was, you know, like anything that they've gone through or been through or going to go through um, on the field, I've done it all. Um, you know, and I understand the highs. There's so many highs, but the lows suck. And, you know, it's it's just the game that we play. So, um, you know, I found the girls really giving um, in that aspect. And I felt really fortunate, to be honest, to actually go inside those rooms um, with the Heat girls, like they've had a lot of success and they've got a really, um, you know, solid core group um, of players. And yeah, so it was sort of obviously different different for me going into that sort of setup. But um, it was something that I was pretty grateful for from from Ash and, and JJ to, um, you know, to be allowed to go in those rooms. Like I said, the Heat have had a lot of success over the last sort of, you know, X amount of years that the WBBL would be playing. So um, something a little bit different, but yeah, it was sort of mixed feelings for me to be honest I actually said um I ran into ports one day when I was down there at physio and I said oh it's, it's a win-win for me so you know if we if we win it's great I'll look good if we lose well, well I'll play for the strikers anyway so, <laughs> so, so um, change the top over nah. pretty quickly yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I had it underneath actually just ripped it off so um, but uh, look it was um it was awesome I think that um you know having girls myself as well like I said this to the girls after the game you know they were pretty pretty gutted after losing as um, you know, Jem, you understand, as I said before, the highs and lows, you know, you sort of on one side of the coin, you know, either way, but the girls are obviously pretty gutted. And I said, look, you know, like for me, where I sit with it is that my girls now are only, um, you know, two and five and um, the girls' game's going from strength to strength each year. So, you know, me being involved uh, with, with the Heat girls this year is, you know, my daughter, um, my oldest daughter, Bonnie, like she's nearly six and she's never showed interest in cricket you know, the first six years of her life. Um, but now I'm coaching the girls. All of a sudden she wants to sit in front of the TV and ask me questions about, you know, who's playing and all that sort of thing. So we talk about, you know, the, growing the game for the next generation, all that sort of thing. And I think that's the main point there is that um, they're going to keep, you know, inspiring young girls to play. Um, you know, whether they go down that track or not is, is up to them. And as I said, my my oldest daughter, she had no interest. I mean, I tried to get her in the backyard a couple of times and show a few things and she didn't want anything to do with me but um she sees charlie not on the ground and smacking balls over cover and all of a sudden she thinks it's cool so um <laughs> you know to me that's to me that's the most important thing about it all is that um yeah just keep growing the game and and as i said the women's games go from strength to strength i think the fact that you know playing that final in, in adelaide and having the crowd that they did was amazing so yeah. i think um it's only going to keep growing the game so yeah look um to, to your point jam yeah look it was as i said it was win-win for me but you know, I felt really bad for the Heat girls, um, but on the plus side as well, I'm a striker, so look, <laughs> I was I was equally happy for you girls as well. So I, I know, I mean, how how many weeks are we now? Maybe about be about a month out. You girls would just be starting to settle down on the celebrations. <laughs> you, so. Only just, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, only just. So, yeah. Sorry, nah, it was a good game. Though. They're firing up for Scorpions games this week, mate. Uh, yeah. That was a really really great chat. So good to have you on the show, and I reckon that you two could probably chat for hours about spin bowling. And um, sounds like your daughter will be spinning them around corners bef- uh, in no time as well, mate. So so good to have you on the show. Best of luck for the rest of the season, and obviously up in Perth this week. And uh, we look forward to watching on and and seeing you continue to bowl the way that you have been. Nah, thanks, guys. Appreciate having me. Out. 
Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Have Cam. a great one. All right, guys. See you later. Yes, that was Cameron Boyce from the Adelaide Strikers. A great chat. If you did miss any of that, you can listen back on the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Just search for the Sacker Cricket Show and that's where you'll find it. We are going to head to a break now, but our next guest is out of Premier Cricket and a Redback. So we've got a double whammy. It's Kelvin Smith from West Torrens District Cricket Club. You're listening to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, we're back on the Sacker Cricket Show. It's Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby with you today. Now, don't forget to get your tickets to go down and see the Strikers play on Friday night, the 5th of January. It's going to be a beautiful night for cricket, 32 degrees. So get down there, watch the Strikers play, hopefully have a win. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be a great time for all who are there and enjoying the game. So our next guest is... Someone who plays for the Redbacks, but also spends a bit of time at the West Torrens District Cricket Club as well. We're incredibly lucky to have him on the show, and he's got a great cricket story. So I'm talking about Kelvin Smith. Kelvin, welcome to the show. How you going, Travis and Gemma? Good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, yeah going good, thank you. Great to have you on, mate. Obviously, Big Bash is underway at the moment. Um, what are you doing with yourself to, to fill your time? Uh, well, currently I'm just uh, going for a walk down at Port Elliot along the beach. So, um, yeah, enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, going back to, to full-on cricket training uh, tomorrow after a little break in the season. So, yeah, um, keen to get back into it for the back end of the year. Yeah, obviously you're, like, you've got this time off over the Chrissy break. And I guess how many of the Redbacks don't have... Uh, BBL contracts and what does it kind of look like for you guys that unfortunately don't have a contract? Uh, yeah, there's about, I think there's nine of us, um, which I think is a bit more than uh, maybe previous years. But um, yeah, it just means that, you know, we get a little bit more um, individual attention and um, trainings are a little bit more short and sharp. But um, yeah, you probably get a bit more quality out of it, um, especially for the younger guys and uh, the guys that are outside the team, you sort of get a bit good chance to do another little pre-season halfway through the year, really, so prepare for the, the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, this is your first year back into the Redback squad after a few years out of it. Have you seen it change much over the time from when you were first in there to now? Uh, yeah, definitely. When I first started, um, oh, I was... That's, yeah, a bit over 10 years ago now. Um, I was just a kid and obviously, uh, yeah, I had a lot of experience around uh, with like Callum Ferguson and uh, Tom Cooper and um, et cetera. And um, now it's, yeah, I suppose uh, being on the other side, I'm one of the older older guys, but um, yeah, and everyone's pretty young. And uh, I think the time, the terms of training and stuff, it's uh, it's very professional now and when I first started, it was probably, you know, come into a gym and a bit of a run and, and then we'll have a little bit of a hit and we'll go meet up at the coffee shop after. And um, now it's, uh, yeah, pretty much full days and um, there's always something going on. So, yeah, uh, it's been good. Yeah, so you spent the last uh, few years when you were out of the system and you still are at West Torrens. Were they a mm-hmm. massive contributor to getting yourself back into, into the Redback squad? Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, my coach, Mark Harity there, 
uh, he he loves every single one of his players at West Torrens, and um, I've got a lot to thank him for. He's he's never given up any kind of hope for me. When you know, I probably thought my days were a bit numbered being outside the group for, for four years, and thought, oh, well, maybe the Redbacks are, are done with me. And um, being getting only getting older, um, Hags never really gave up hope, and. Um, and Brad Young, who's uh, assistant coach there, well, batting coach there. So they've always looked out for me and kept me motivated and um, wanting to do well for West Sirens and um, hanging on to that dream of getting back into the Redback squad, which obviously was lucky enough to, to realise last year um, when sort of things sort of, I suppose, aligned for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a yeah pretty, I guess, incredible story. Yours the last 12 months for... For example, of how you your return game for the Redbacks was um, a late call up into the one day Cup final against WA. How did that all yeah. come about, and was that a pretty much like you're straight in there, and you didn't really have too much time to think about it? Yeah, well, um, it was probably the best way um, to sort of debut, I suppose, in a one day final. Um, I only found out five minutes, so I didn't have any <laughs> sleepless night or anything like that. Um, I sort of went over there with the squad of 13 and knowing that I was probably just there to, to sort of um, run the drinks and, you know, if anyone got injured. And um, unfortunately, Jake Carter um, pulled a hamstring in, in the in the warm-up. And, um, yeah, obviously things got a little bit frantic there. Um, I'd heard a whisper, but, I, I mean, I'd seen him warming up and I thought he was all right. And then, you know, Dizzy just walked over to me in the change room and was like, mate, you're in. What go do some catching because, yeah, in the warm-up, I was only helping out, just fetching balls, throwing balls, helping the guys get ready and then throwing out into the field. So, um, yeah, I think we were lucky that we uh, were fielding as well. So had, you know, the fielding innings to sort of settle the nerves and, and uh, go out there and, you know, um, play with a bit of freedom. And you played pretty well. Tell us about your innings. You... Uh... <clears throat> You started with a. You started pretty quickly, actually. Tell us about your uh, your experience out there in the middle. Yeah, well, um, obviously, yeah, we were chasing 400, so um, there wasn't really much time to sort of uh, settle in and uh, get used to anything. But it was a it was an absolutely beautiful wicket at the Wacker, and um, the ball came on really nice, and the outfield's always nice there. It's a great ground to bat, so um, was fortunate enough to to time a few and uh, get up the other times. And, um, yeah, I suppose uh, with every ball, you sort of sort of build a little bit more confidence and a bit more confidence. And, um, yeah, I think oh, I was a bit disappointing in um, coming to an end, but I was sort of happy that I got to, uh, was able to help the team and try to, I suppose, get us off to a good start, which was kind of my role and would have been nice to go on with it. And, you know, hopefully, maybe we could have uh, won, but um, it was a, an amazing experience just being a part of a one-day final. And um, yeah, it was even better just to be in and around the, the Redbacks again and um, being in that sort of level of cricket. And all the boys were awesome to play with and, and really welcoming. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So yeah, just absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. That's great. Well, you find yourself back in again. Obviously, you're in the in the squad this year with a contract. Um, you've you've played a few games this season. How are you going to cement your cement your spot? Get back in the side, sort of to finish off the season in the Redbacks. Yeah, well, I suppose since I got dropped, the uh, I suppose the recipe to get back in has never changed, and just try to 
to go back and make runs and make big runs and um, gotten a lot of starts this year and it's probably been to, uh, a reason why I'm back there in the first place is just making starts and not going on with it. So, yeah, just um, looking to occupy the crease for a long period of time and, and uh, yeah, well, do the team thing and get in and, and go big um, and win games of cricket for West Torrens. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of West Torrens, you got you have the T20 final at Adelaide Oval next week. You you're coming off 56 off 40 in the semi final. How are you find uh, feeling headed into the final against Glenelg? Yeah, well, obviously um, Glenelg are an unreal team as well. Um, they yeah, they've got plenty of talent there and they've got a really good bowling attack and yeah, their batting orders got depth as well. So it's going to mean we're going to have to play some of our best cricket to to. To win on the day, but um, you know that's the best thing about 2020 cricket. If you if you rock up, play well, and um, yeah, what we'll do, what we always do, and, and back ourselves in. We've we've obviously got a really good team and and led by um, Daniel Drew, so um, we'll back back each other in, and um, yeah, and hopefully uh, hopefully get us off to a good start, and and who knows. Yeah, funny game, T20 cricket is. Anything can happen. Um, obviously, you like we've spoken about and brought up a few times now, you had that had those few years off and away from Redbacks. And I know you're a school teacher. Do you miss that of, obviously now, yeah, being full-time Redback, do you miss teaching at all? Or are you you happy being a full-time <laughs> um, cricketer? So I'm actually, I am, I'm a apprentice electrician actually, but Oops, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Um, now I've sort of been doing a little bit of that in the background. Um, I did like, I did enjoy um, starting my electrical apprenticeship a couple of years ago and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's nothing compared to um, being a professional cricketer and, and waking up each day knowing that you, you're going into Adelaide Oval, probably one of the best venues in in the country if not the world so um yeah we're pretty i'm um, pretty fortunate and uh yeah i don't really miss i don't i don't think i could miss anything else um then when when i get the chance to do that every morning so um now nah, feeling pretty pretty lucky and pretty um grateful for my opportunity Mate, we'll have to check our sources, but um yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know I don't know if um I'd be able to teach the kids that much. I think they'd be teaching me. Be teaching, I'm so. sure you're. Te- yeah, I'm sure you're teaching electrical work at some point along the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I might have to. Yeah. yeah, mate. It's been really, really good hearing your story and having you on the show. All the best for your T20 final next week uh, over at Adelaide Oval. Um, looking forward to to seeing you out there, and um, all the best for the rest of the season. And we, uh, yeah, cheering for you to get back in the Redbacks team as well, mate. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it and cheers for having me. Thanks, Kelvin. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Yes, that was Kelvin Smith from the Redbacks and the West Torrens District Cricket Club. Great to have him on the show and hear about his cricketing story. Up next, we have the Night Watchman. I told you earlier that it is someone who holds test cap number 416 and has a first-class batting average of 3.63. Of course, the man I'm talking about is Peter George. We'll see him after the break. You're listening to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory.
Yes, welcome back. It's the Sacker Cricket Show. It's Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby with you today. And we just heard from Kelvin Smith from the Redbacks and West Torrens District Cricket Club. Um, great to hear from Kelvin and his cricket story. The next segment we have is my favourite part of the week, Gemma. It is the Night Watchman. And today it is someone who actually has umpired a few of your games this season, but before he started umpiring, he was a very, very good cricketer for South Australia, Queensland, and even managed to score test cap number 416 and took a pretty incredible first wicket. So I'm, of course, talking of Peter George. Peter, welcome to the show. Cheers. Great to have you on. And um, I mentioned just at the start there that you happened to umpire a few of Gemma's games this year. One of them in particular was your debut in the WNCL, and it happened to be a first five-wicket haul for Gemma as well. So well done for helping our girl get across the line for a fiver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I think um, you bowled most of them from the other end, but I I, um, I think you might have had a stumping when I was at Square Leg. So, yeah, I'll, I can find, I'll take credit for your bowling on that one. Shall yeah, I, yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Peter, yeah. obviously, we're going we're gonna to look back. We're going to take a walk down memory lane. And you played 64 first-class games. A lot of those were for uh, the Redbacks, starting out in 2005 and six uh, with a rookie contract. And then you spent a little bit of time out of the system. Came back in 08, 09 and sort of took the world by storm for a couple of years. What are your, what are your memories of the early days uh, for the Redbacks? Yeah, um, it, it felt like um, a bit of a whirlwind at the time. Yeah, like you say, I had a rookie contract and lost it for a year. I was back... Um, on contract um, in, I must have been 06, 07, and then, yeah, made my debut 7, 8. And, um, yeah, it, it, it all went it went pretty quickly, going from basically playing third grade for West Torrens to playing a test match. I think it was in the space of about four or five years. So uh, it all happened pretty quickly. I was, um, yeah, very very lucky and um, will always be very appreciative of, uh, yeah, how much I... I was able to play at that, at that level. So, yeah, it's amazing. I actually saw an article where you were uh, spoken about as Glenn McGrath without swing. How good's that? Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. to be mentioned in the same sentence as Glenn McGrath is, uh, is pretty amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure that was happening too much towards the end of my career, which would have which would have meant more. But I guess, yeah, at, at the time, um, yeah, on, on potential and just, I guess, a young, tall bowler with a bit of bounce and could land it in a pretty good area most of the time. Um, but yeah, that was, that was massive um, for me. He, he was my hero. Um, yeah. Growing up and, and watching him on, on TV. So um, yeah. yeah, that was amazing. And you, you toured, so you, 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 you went on a few tours with the Australian team. Obviously you um, played some Australia A games, but then got your breakthrough um, for touring New Zealand. Um, and then you went on a, a tour for, um, a, it was against Pakistan, but in the UK, um, a lot of the viewers will remember that series. And then mm. got on the India tour uh, for a for a debut, uh, a test debut, yeah. test cap number 416. How that would have been an incredible feeling for you. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that the couple of tours before that, I was, Lucky enough to be there when um, it was Ryan Harris's 413, and then also on that UK Pakistan series, I, I was there for Tim Payne and Steve Smith when they got their baggy green caps. Um, so then, yeah, when Ricky Ponting was presenting uh, my cap to me, it was it was very surreal because um, yeah, it's 
I guess the definition of that word, it literally just felt like I was I was dreaming or I was watching it happen to somebody else. It was just, yeah, very surreal experience. Yeah, and you played in that test match with four Australian test captains. Um, so Ponting, Clark, Watson and Tim Payne. And then yeah. you happened to have Steve Smith running the drinks as well. So you played with some all-time <laughs> players in that test match. It was, yeah. There's um, yeah, some big names. Um, yeah, like I said, I was just it was incredible. Um, like I said, about growing up watching Glenn McGrath, but obviously, you know, the, um, yeah, Ricky Ponting and, and Clark, there's um, some massive names in that test team that I got to play with. I remember sitting in the change rooms next, well, in between Marcus North and Mike Hussey, um, at one point sitting there looking at my bag of green cap, just kind of holding it in my hands. Pinching myself still, and uh, they both were commenting on the fact that they still pinch themselves and about the fact that they've got one, and and that was a you know later in their careers when they played lots of games, and um, yeah, it's just it's incredible to sit in that room and and kind of be there with everyone that's appreciating the opportunity to be playing for their country, and to have had um, one go at it was was amazing, and um, yeah, I'll I'll never take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of big names. Being able to in that game take the wicket of Sachin Tendulkar and finishing with figures of two for forty-eight off twenty-one, being the most economical bowler, that would be something pretty special and that you hold close to your heart as well. It is, um, yeah. It's is nice, I guess, as part of that kind of claim to fame when you um, people say you know you played a Test match and, and took Sachin Tendulkar's wicket. It, um, yeah, certainly adds to it, but um, yeah, that. That was just a yeah incredible experience in India um, in front of decent sized crowd. I just remember every time so Sachin scored two hundred and fourteen runs, I think from memory that inning. <laughs> we didn't um, we didn't want to mention yeah. that. We just thought we'd mention the wicket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just remember like he passed his fourteen thousandth Test run, I think that innings as well. And it was yeah. just every time he got close to a milestone, I think, which is the crowd's got pretty loud, and it just it was <laughs> yeah intense. Just the noise that they would make every time he passed the milestone and. Uh, and then the silence when I took, when I when he uh, when he got out was um, yeah well I didn't notice at the time how quiet it was until I've seen replays afterwards where you just hear one bloke in the middle of the field yelling <laughs> or squealing as it kind of sounds like my celebration and everyone else I think all the rest of the Aussies just like oh finally yeah but um well, speaking yeah, of, it's, uh, tough work. speaking of batting maestros. Uh, your, you never really got your opportunity at first class level with the with the bat. I think um, I think that's what we'll call it: lack of opportunity. Well, so, that's generous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah, averaged that's... you averaged a um, a healthy three point six three from your sixty four first class games. What do you put it down to? What do you put the um, What do you put the the, the three point six three down to? Wow. Um... Yeah, we've probably spent too much time talking about my batting already. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's funny. I think there was a few times where I had license to try to swing, um, and there's a, there's a couple of highlights in that. But um, yeah, there's most of the time I was out there. It's the typical kind of bunny tail ender. You just you know block out two balls to survive the end of the over and let the other bloke score the run. <laughs> so you know, we- if I wasn't getting out myself, I was probably not really scoring runs. So. But yeah, I, I think I'm probably one of the few people that has more first-class wickets than runs, which is uh, 
<laughs> Not sure it's that common, but I, it's odd that I genuinely found it harder to score a run in first-class cricket than I did to take a wicket. So Look, it's great to have a people can say that. <laughs> it's great to have a unique stat in your uh, in your book as well. So um, yeah. you you did have a I, th- I think you had a career highlight when you uh, went and had a had a bit of a swing at Mitch Stark in the 2011-12 season. Uh, what do you recall yeah. of uh, What do you recall of that? Your best your best <laughs> shot at first-class level? Do you think? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of his Yusufal's um, teammates ha- still haven't let him live that one down. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was very funny, actually. I was batting, we were about to declare um, for South Australia. I was batting uh, with Dan Christian, and um, we knew we were going to declare at the end of this particular over. Uh, Christian had faced the first probably four, four balls, I think, and had tried to hit everyone for boundary. But this particular ball, I'd ended up on strike with only a couple of balls left. And we kind of thought, well, do I just try to get you back on strike to face the last one or do I just have a swing? And he's like, yeah, I have a swing, mate. <laughs> okay, so I kind of did this little, little um, basically just cleared the front leg. It was a low full toss and I managed to absolutely nail it. And it went over, yeah, as high as it went far, but it, it went over the side screen at the old Adelaide Oval. It was probably one of the biggest it's a hits huge hit. I've ever hit in my life. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was uh, it was Mitch Stark, and I think there was, you know, out of everybody on the field, including the umpires, everybody except for Mitchell Stark was uh, losing it laughing, um, and Mitch Stark had steam coming out of his ears. So I think it was, but yeah, the other part of the story was probably not long before that, I'd managed to get an inside edge for four, um, off his bowling, and he was telling me that I was the worst batter in Australia, and <laughs> I didn't dis- didn't disagree with him. Australia's like, Chris well, Martin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I always found it quite comical when um, fast bowlers would sledge me about my batting because I'm like, well, yeah, um, yeah, I'm batting eleven, and I basically hard hard to even know which which end to hold, mate. So. <laughs> Um, the fact that you haven't got me out yet is saying more about you than it's saying about me. So <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Obviously, now that you're retired and um, you sort of got yourself into into umpiring and joined the state panel this year, how are you finding hmm. getting back out onto the cricket field? But as an umpire, yeah, I'm, Gemma, I'm actually loving it. It's um, it's it surprised me actually how much I've enjoyed umpiring. I thought I'd get into it. Um, just see if I'd enjoy it and see if I'd be any good at it. Um, I think it's like a lot of players. I think you, you kind of spend a bit of your time. I, I did my share of complaining about umpires. So um, <laughs> thought you can't really complain too much until you've, you've stood in their shoes. But um, yeah, I'm probably, I'm one of the type of person to, um, I guess, yeah, become part of the solution and not just complain about problems. So I, um, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd give it a go. And I'm, um, yeah, like you say, being back out on the field and, um, yeah, been absolutely loving it from from club cricket and getting a couple of opportunities at higher levels has been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely sprung up there. And yeah, like we brought up before, we've been able to do a few of our WNCL games, which is um, something pretty cool as well. Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about I guess more off field stuff now. Where um, I know probably for the last few years now, you've been working on a little project on the side called My Call. Um, no, you're the managing director and inventor of that. Do you want to um, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, I guess it's in a similar vein in terms of um, trying to find a solution to problems. So it, it started, um, I guess, with the problem of um, you know having to stop the celebration after someone took a wicket um, to check the front foot no ball. So 
that was I studied mechanical engineering, and at the time I thought, you know, I could, uh, I reckon you could solve that, and um, then thought, well, give it a go. So um, it's it's evolved quite a lot since um, we've had a little bit of publicity a few years ago around, um, yeah, the device on the back of the shoe, but we've actually evolved quite a bit since then. But we've been working away in the background, and um, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks we'll uh, be ready to go public a bit more with uh, what we're doing. But um, yeah, more than front foot no ball at the moment, we're looking to solve a few things. So it's, it's very exciting. Great little insight there. Um, and you've just dispelled an old school theory that batters are smarter than bowlers. Mate, you're doing mechanical <laughs> engineering and you're a fast bowler. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, I think you do need some level of um, a few screws loose or, or something <laughs> wrong with you to, to put your body through what it takes to, to be a fast bowler. But um yeah, maybe uh, of of um, maybe find myself in a new, unique position where <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have have achieved some things uh, on the cricket field and and uh, hopefully I can do a few things off it as well. Well done, mate. Well, it's been so good having you on the show. Um, an incredible cricket journey, and you know, still no doubt aspiring to take your umpiring to the next level and and get on that international stage. So. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Peter. It's been great chatting and uh, all the best for the remainder of the season. Oh, perfect. Thanks so much, Trevor. Thanks. Thanks, Jenna. Peter. Thanks, Peter. Cheers, guys. That was Peter George, former Redback, Queenslander, Australian Test Cap number six, 416 uh, and current WNCL umpire, Peter George. Great to have him on the show. Of course... That's all we've got time for today, but uh, next week we've got a cracking show lined up for you again. So, Gemma, in your seat next week, I've got Daniel Drew, who I've conveniently given a little bit of a shout-out to in my top five performances. (laughs) So hopefully he was listening earlier when I mentioned his 208 against WA earlier in the year. So Drew, he's going to be coming into the studio right before he plays in the uh, Premier Cricket T20 final later that day. So great to have Drewy on. Um, We'll also review your Scorpions matches. You're heading up to Queensland this week? Yeah, hopefully the the rain plays nice and we're able to get a few games in there and and come home with a few wins as well. Uh, Maybe even a bonus point as well, Jim. That'd be nice as well. And then, of course, we will have had a a Sydney Test match uh, by that time as well. So we'll be discussing all things Test cricket as well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Saka Cricket Show today. It's been great having you with us and... Thank you to Gemma again for coming on and being part of the show. We'll have you back again, hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time. So good luck up in Queensland. Thank you, and thanks for having me on again. Thank you, listeners. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.